1: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
0: You're listening to Unfiltered with James O'Brien, brought to you by Joe.
1: Hello, welcome to the very latest Unfiltered, which is arguably the most important one so far because, as I'm sure you've noticed, transgender issues have assumed a new prominence in, in the British media that is, is rather hard to understand. My own theory, sadly, is that, as a, as a former tabloid show business journalist, I, I, I think I speak the lingo, um, they've become the section of society that it's okay to criticise, lampoon, mock, uh, denigrate... Uh, undermine and and even accuse of um, somehow being fraudulent in their in this case gender in previous generations it would be sexuality so um, you're about to meet Paris Lees who's probably the most prominent transgender person in the country she's certainly one of the most articulate and outspoken but but the whole point of this and I, I hope it works I've only met her once before is to introduce you to a trans person because you've probably never met One before if you have i apologize if you haven't well see how we get on we didn't know when we set this up that by the time you sat here you would have become the first transgender person to feature on the front cover of vogue magazine
2: well i i knew that i was going to be in vogue
1: On-vogue, not Um, just in-vogue. No,
2: uh, people are saying it's the cover, but it was actually um, a very nice double-page... Oh,
1: was it not the cover?
2: I'm not correcting people. (laughs) people, Everyone on Twitter is like, she's the first on the cover. And it's like, if if that's what you want to think, I'm not going to disabuse you of that. So, How did it
1: happen? How did that come about?
2: um, Well, I'm very grateful, actually, to uh, Olivia Marks, who is the commissioning editor. Um, And she was aware of my work because she used to work at Vice and I used to read my columns there Um, but also really grateful to Edward as well because obviously he's got the ultimate sign off the
1: new editor
2: yeah and I mean when he came in as editor I was genuinely excited about what that meant in terms of the direction of the magazine and diversity because can I just say you know okay I'm a lefty but I that doesn't mean that I don't you know support aspirational lifestyle brands like i i think that's fine to have something to kind of reach towards you know that very glamorous high end um i i, I think it's 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 as, as long
1: as everyone's got enough money it shouldn't matter what people with lots of money choose to spend well, their money yeah exactly so <laughs> as long as
2: we've all got enough that, that we you know we, we we're not wanting for anything but um i i you know i think there's something about the magic and the glamour of that brand that's absolutely fantastic um so it's, it's not that we want to get it get rid of that heritage you know. Know, you do away with that, but actually, let's open it up a bit and make it a bit more diverse. And he came in promising to do that, and uh, I, I had no idea that I'd be part of the uh, part of the. Story what did you really think when you so got the call?
1: How did the call work? Because I'm only I'm asking you because on Twitter your excitement was unconfined. It was so clear how much this meant to you for reasons yeah. that will become clearer to people listening as we as we move into the interview proper. But but how, how did you feel? I mean, how did the call? Does it come? Someone rings out and you don't believe them, or?
2: Well, obviously, I'd love to play it cool. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, it was just you know you you.
1: you oh, okay, I'll you, squeeze you in on Wednesday. I'll squeeze you in on
2: Wednesday. <laughs> Folk, mm. I mean, honestly, I'd not long split up with my boyfriend actually when I got the call and I was like. I think this might just be the thing, actually, to kind of help me Bit get over this breakup. Yes, yeah, absolutely. it's, uh, I'm not going to lie, it's highly validating, right? I mean, yeah. what, uh, what better way to start the year off than in the uh, glossy glossy folds of, of Vogue? Um, but, I mean, I had a pretty tough year last year in my personal life, and I think i had a little bit of a dip professionally, okay. actually, and a bit of a, a mental health dip, yes. actually. And I'm just in a really, really, really good place at the moment. And I've I, I've just got a feeling I'm going to have a really good year. Well, I've decided I'm going to have a good year. And I've kicked it off, as I mean, to go on with oh, really? so. it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that, that line, the people people at school told me I'd never be a girl, would never be pretty enough, would never be accepted. Well, here I am being celebrated as a woman. You didn't add Invoke.
2: In vogue, in vogue, and you know, I remember, and my friend remembered the conversation. Actually, um, we were walking home uh, from a night out. I think we must have been like sixteen or seventeen, you know, because we used to sneak into the pub, um, and uh, we just bought cigarettes at the at the garage. And uh, some some people had abused us and said, you know, you effing trannies, or you know, your men, or something mm. like that. This is this is my uh, friend Steffi in Nottingham, uh, best friend. Uh, transgender woman of colour and we were saying you know one day I want to do this one day I want you know when you're young you think when I grow up I'm going to do this and this was can I just say before you know you know like the past five years you know people are doing things now but at that point there weren't any you might as well have wanted
1: to land on Mars you
2: may as well have wanted to land on Mars and I remember saying to her I want to be you know like the first transgender woman on the cover of vogue or something you know and obviously it's not the cover but you know we're getting there oh, aren't we right. but um you know th- that we, we live in a world now where uh it, yeah, when i was growing up the only time you ever saw trans people in the media uh, and it was rarely but uh, only then it was you know as objects of ridicule mm. pity Disgust, um, and we don't live in that world now. You know, I'm not saying that things are perfect, but trans people are invited onto news shows to comment on Brexit. Mm. You know, um, you've
1: been on Question Time yourself.
2: I've been on Question Time uh, twice. Yeah, um, you know, trans people do win awards you know appear you know we are increasingly getting respect and saying no we will be treated with respect and we will participate fully in this thing you know called life and I think that a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, trans people are everywhere now. And it's like, well, we were always there, but we were actively discluded. Well, it's
1: with the progress and the respect comes the new level of scrutiny, which is... Which is...
2: Well, th- that's a very good point, James, because it's like when we were pushing for transgender awareness, you know, like five years ago, I mean, people have been pushing for decades, you mm. know, but uh, well, actually, that's not true for many years. People just wanted to keep their heads down, actually. But when, when we pushed for awareness, um, that was meant to, like, help us not actually actually you yes. know make more people you know aware, hostile aware, towards aware us the
1: target you could become
2: yeah so in many ways i think we've seen like a really really nasty backlash and particularly with the gender recognition act because when that passed in 2004 it passed with barely a comment in mm. the press and it's it's very hard to explain now because things are so different but it was almost like the only time we saw a trans person then, we were just the butt of a joke. You know, we were like an Aunt Sally, you throw custard pies yes. at us. Um, and I think something like this, like something sensible coming in, you know, to to, to, to you know, make trans people's lives easier, it didn't fit the existing media narrative.
1: So they didn't go near it. So they
2: didn't go near didn't it because it's like, well, it. how do we cover this? Because this doesn't, like, you know, a transgender person, so you just point and laugh at them and this doesn't fit into that. And I think that now we've gone the complete opposite way where they're proposing some very sensible change to this legislation, and you would literally think it's the second coming. I mean, people the,
1: are having kittens all over the. People place. are having
2: kittens, and it's like, you know, it's it's like the the, the biggest thing other than Brexit. Yes, it's
1: it like, seems to be in the news. We've we've begun at the end deliberately.
2: We've be, we've begun at the end. Sorry, I'm very passionate about this. You story, clearly are, and see. I promise
1: you that we will um we will we will explore that passion before we say goodbye to each other. But let's begin at the beginning. Let's begin long before you even met Steffi and uh, and and started painting Nottingham red. Together, you, you you were born a boy, in um, a uh, family in Nottinghamshire that you have described in the past. You've described your dad as being a bit homophobe. so I'm going to say old fashioned.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Old fashioned working class home.
2: My, I mean, I'm from a council estate. My dad was a builder, worked the doors on the uh, local pub where I grew up. It was you know like the. The the hard man, basically, in the the little ex-mining town that I grew up with, that basically got shut down uh, with the the with the coal mines in the eighties. So you know, just common as muck, really. Pot noodle for tea on Friday nights, um, uh, coal for Christmas, that sort of thing. But I mean, yeah. I mean, where I come from, I mean, it is is you know the TV show Shameless. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's but pretty rough. Uh, yeah, but I think it, I think it's fair, fair to say. But you know, good, but you were
1: loved as a child.
2: Good, good honest people. I mean, I was I was loved, but I think that um, and I yeah and I abs- absolutely did have love, and I think that's why I'm sitting here today, and um, I had great people around me. But I think that I think it's fair to say that my parents didn't know how to support a child like me
1: at what point did you become a child like you when did it emerge when would your parents have registered the fact that you were perhaps a little bit different from all their friends children
2: well I mean from the from the earliest memory really I mean one of my I hate it because it's so cliche but one of my earliest memories was sitting on a park bench with a girl who's a bit older than me and um I was saying I'm a girl and I just remember going I heard her saying, uh, ah, have you heard what he said? Uh, And there were these lads on the the swings going, what, what, what? And she said, he said he's a girl. And that was the first time, really, that I was like, oh, okay." So the way I see myself is not necessarily how uh, other people see me. How old
1: would you have been then, Paris?
2: Um, I'd have been uh, four. And would you
1: already have said at home that you were a girl and and they'd have just gone, oh, she'll get over it? Well, I did, yeah. He'll get over it, of course. Yeah,
2: well, I did, I did. But
1: presumably you'd you'd had these conversations at home already. You'd said to your parents that you were a girl and they'd just told you that You'd soon grow out of it, or
2: no? I, it yourself. I I think that was the first time. I think I remember. I because I distinctly remember kind of like running up the street and thinking, "Oh God, am I in trouble when I get home?" Kind of thing. But yeah, pretty much from like the early stage, it was just like I'm a girl, want to be a girl, and it. I just knew, and you speak to so many trans people, and they just tell you the same thing. It just—I mean—I can't really explain it. I just felt like i was a girl whatever that means um and i that 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 just felt right for me and i never ever 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 felt like i should have been a boy um
1: this is this is the point this is the disconnect between people like you and people like me isn't it because i can listen to you and believe you and trust you but i might as well try to imagine what it's like growing up black
2: yeah well the, the thing is as well because See what I see people doing is, that, and, and we all do this as human beings, don't we? We try and frame something in a way that we can understand. Yes. You know, so so people will go. You know, women, for instance, may go. Well, I was a tomboy, you know, and I I like playing with trucks. Yeah, yeah. So so it's like that, isn't it? And it's like, no, it's 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 not that. And it's it's like trying to it's like trying to explain grief to someone who hasn't experienced grief or falling in love or going through puberty. You know, these concepts that we're introduced to before we've experienced them, or we think we've got them. Mm. And uh, unless you can actually feel it, and just on a really, you know, like a a really silly example, my cat died last year. Mm. And uh, I've never lost a pet before because she was my first pet. And I just used to sort of laugh, you know, know, people were upset. I was like, it's just a dog, you know? And then my cat died and I was like, oh, right, okay. So I I see now that I've been really it, unsympathetic. It
1: really is a hole in my I'd life. I've never
2: experienced it. Uh, yeah. And I do actually think that this is a really integral, um, well, it, it's a real, like a tripping point because I don't know how, I, you know, I've tried my best to kind of help people to understand and empathise, but I don't know how I can make you understand it. All I can ask is You know, for you to take my word for it, yes.
1: Well, this is the point. I mean, either I'm not someone you need to persuade. We'll we'll talk more about the people who do need persuading, but it's like sexuality. It is, I mean, I I, when I was not enjoying a great deal of romantic success in my late teens, and surely not living, I know it's hard to believe. I was living with a couple of gay lads in Manchester and I'd go clubbing with them. And it was clear that if I could just be gay, I'd be getting laid every night. But it just, right. I just couldn't do it. It was just never going to happen. And you could, you, you could, yeah. you spend your whole life trying, to, but it was just never going to be. Yeah. And that's how you were as a, yeah. as a boy. You could have tried to be a boy, and you had the boy's bits, but you yeah. just could never be a boy. I it?
2: had the perfect disguise for it. frankly. <laughs> just just the perfect camouflage. Every, everything was there. Um, you know?
1: And so you got home, uh, yeah, and 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 then it all kind of began. Presumably, you, when did you st- start? Uh, identifying, when did you start? I should also say that I, I'm i not comfortable in the vocabulary of these conversations. I'm not fully comfortable. I'm more enlightened than a lot of people in the British media, but I'm by far the finished, far from the finished article, very much a work in progress. So anything I say incorrectly, you must pull me up on it and, and tell me what I'm getting wrong. But but when did you seek to start living as a, as a girl? Not for a long time. You, you, your childhood must have been difficult.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I used to go to school in my sister's tights and, uh, you know, w- use the girls' toilets or try to, uh, you know, ask people to refer to me as a girl. And I must have been, oh gosh, maybe seven, eight or something at, at that point. Um, my uh, family on the fem- my mum's side, my, my grandma, and my auntie would let me have dolls and Polly Pockets, things like that.
1: But they were still thinking you were going to grow out of it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was just, yeah, so this is the thing. It was never, you know, you were. it was just, you know, you're a boy and that's fine. You can play with girls' stuff. We don't have a problem with that. Um, But when I started going to school, you know, wearing leggings and things like that and stuff, um, they they took me to the doctor and the doctor suggested that I uh, go to see a child psychiatrist. My parents never actually followed up on that because... I think that they were worried that maybe they may say, you know, no. there's something wrong with him, or, or I, I don't know. I think it was just it was just too much for them, and, um, and and so I suppressed that, and I I got the message that it was y- you cannot do this. You are a boy. You have a willy. That's it. Mm. And and you know that, that it's literally just not an option. And um, you know y- y- you'd have been. <laughs> More likely to have seen an alien walking down my high street yes. than 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 a trans person. It was ju- it was just not an option, you know. So when I got to kind of like 10 11 12, just you,
1: before that, what did it feel? How did it feel different to go to school in your sister's tights? Just in terms of, just to try to describe the feelings to me. The difference between going to school in a boys' uniform and going to school wearing girls' clothes.
2: It just felt great. It just felt really good. And you know, when you when you're a child, you, you're quite androgynous anyway, right? Um, and I just I can't. It's not so much the clothes because you know the clothes don't make the man.
1: Or the no, I, one, I appreciate you know.
2: that. Um, but it's it's about what the clothes say about us. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, you know, you're here, you're wearing a shirt, you're wearing, you know, these are choices that we make. We, we all make gender choices about the clothes that we wear to reflect who we are mm. and our background, our social, you know, all these, you know, you've got a, a button open because this is casual, you mm. know. We're, we're all kind of, you know. It's a language, isn't it? It's I'm a language, yeah. It's, it's a form of expression, um, you know, and it, and it's giving people information about us, you know, consciously or unconsciously. We're, we're all doing that every Every single day, and I, I can't. It's when I just felt happy, knowing that I was walking down the street and thinking that the cars that were passing me and the people that were passing me as I was walking to school were thinking, "Oh, that's a that's a girl walking to yeah. school." I don't know why. I can't. It's when I don't know if it's science. I don't know if it's nature nurture. I don't know if it's a mental thing. If it's physical, it, it doesn't really matter. I just know that I'm happier like it's this. You. I just know that I'm happier expressing myself, sitting here now, and 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 this is how I feel happy. I feel happier when people call me she. I feel happier, uh, you know, speaking, you know, wh- wh- however you want to quantify. It, I am just happier like this. And this
1: is the point that parents make to me, as a, when I'm in, in my other life as a phone-in host. And this, for me, was the penny drop moment because perhaps I, I could have been a little bit um, slow on the uptake, a little bit sceptical, a little bit cynical. But when a parent describes to you the change in their child, Mm, yeah. when they just stop trying to prevent yeah. their son from wearing dresses growing his hair their daughter from wearing trousers playing there, there, there is a and it's not just about the choice of playthings and the choice of playmates it's something mm. fundamental and intrinsic yeah. and the, the easiest way for people like me to, to to come to a better understanding is to listen to the parents describing mm. the happiness that you've just described but you yeah. did, didn't ever get that from your parents.
2: Well, you know, there's so many discussions around trans stuff. It gets bogged down inside. Let's keep talking or... about you.
1: Let's just keep talking There you. On you're nine or ten years old. You've you've lived as a boy, albeit with curious hosiery habits.
2: <laughs>
1: um, but as puberty approaches, everything becomes rather more urgent, presumably, whether you yeah. realise it or not.
2: Well, yeah. So I get to I get to sort of like a 12. And I think you become a bit more self-conscious, don't you? Um, I think you play a bit more freely when you were a little little child, oh, yeah. and um, then you start to get a bit more of an awareness of the world around you. And it was like, oh God, right, okay, uh, this is really taboo. I can't, you know, I can't. I've got to be a boy. Like this is, you've broken like some massive, massive social. You just, you just can't. And do this it. is a
1: private. Experience. Yes. You yeah. Really dealing with reality. On, yeah. Uh, alone.
2: Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the the, the the and this is what makes me laugh about this whole, you know, kids are being pressured into being jumping ahead again. Trans. I want to talk
1: about you. I don't want to talk about uh, anyone else. Okay. So there you are, dealing with it, recognizing secondary school is going to be a coach and horses through any sense of stability that you'd managed to achieve in your own head. Um, and that that's what's on the agenda. So everything begins to change. You you tried to to live one way. And then the moment comes when you realise that you can't.
2: Yeah. So um, I don't know what it was really, but I think there was just this huge shame, and uh, just a realisation that just like that, that was not you know, and it was it was basically going to be hell for me if 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 I expressed that side of myself. And I tried to be a boy because I just thought, well, that's it. That's all you've got, you know. And um, I think I always sort of knew that I liked boys, but obviously this is, you know, just before puberty. Yeah. So you're not really sure. thinking along those lines. And I tried to conform, you know. And uh, my dad would take me to football, can you believe? Um, I think I went for boxing lessons. I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely did. I could, I could, you know, knock you out if, yeah. if need be. It's not a, um,
1: it's yeah. not a great achievement. <laughs>
2: uh yeah I mean I mean my dad was a boxer you know and I think that my family were trying to help me you know because th- I I would get picked on and you know it's if anybody whacks you you whack them back
1: you get picked on for being a sissy in, the, lang- in the language of the time
2: yeah you get you get well you get picked on for being a pufter yeah. a girly girly you know whatever and I think that I mean for me the, the, the thought of having to fight boys was just terrifying you know I'd rather run away mm-hmm. um but I think that my family could see that I was really vulnerable and wanted me to have some sort of protection, you know, because I went to a state comprehensive. was quite rough at the time, uh, to be honest. Um, we were all quite naughty. I was quite naughty. I was a bit of a talker, James. No shit. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I think that my my dad was probably just like, God,
1: I've got this really he's trying to help you in the only ways he understood
2: yeah it's, it's the it's the only way that 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 he understood you know that but he understood that I was vulnerable and he wanted to equip me yeah. uh, to deal with that because the world is is a nasty rough place and it can be very dog eat dog especially at a school like that you know kids can be really can be really mean but it just wasn't for me no ne- I just never it just it just didn't feel right. It was just, it would be like me asking you to put on makeup now, and make yourself look pretty. It mm-hmm. would, it, it well, maybe you'd have a laugh. I don't know. But I'm assuming that would make you feel uncomfortable, right? If I asked you to well, put on beyond a... beyond
1: uncomfortable, it would make me feel alien.
2: But, but, you know, the, the people that say that, you know, kids like me should just accept the gender we were born into or, or our physical sex or whatever. Um, you, you know, would, if we applied that logic to you, I could say, well, it's just clothes. Why, why would it
1: make you uncomfortable? Or it would be perhaps more powerfully. Um, it'd be like asking a straight man to get into bed with another bloke, wouldn't it? Um,
2: well, um, yeah, I mean, I I, I I, guess so. In terms of what
1: you intrinsically are, you can't just pretend that I mean, you're that's not.
2: quite full on, isn't it? Yeah. living with somebody. But even just sitting there wearing Women's clothes would, wouldn't that make you feel uncomfortable James
1: Maybe not me but if 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 okay. I had to live my life in women's clothes then yes there'd be lots of circumstances in which it felt wrong to but me
2: How could you explain that I couldn't Exactly it's it not it
1: feels right it's the feels it's all in the feels
2: <laughs> It's all in the feels yeah which is why it's it's such a hard argument to make if if you kind of you know politicize it all but I just felt very uncomfortable when I was when I was you know being coerced into being a boy and it really was the was well,
1: school was horrible, was it? Or
2: school was horrible. Yeah, you know, I was bullied violently, and I
1: mean, how violent? Sorry, but to resurrect it, but how? I mean, do you get your head kicked in on a regular basis.
2: Well, I mean, I often say, you know, if 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 I've had a bit of hard luck, well, you know, it's better than a kick in the teeth. And, and I've had a kick in the teeth, so you've been
1: quite literal. Yeah, it?
2: literally kicked in the teeth. You know, um, I just the worst sort of violence, yeah. and um, for being a, f- a puff. Yeah, for being a puffter. Yeah, for talking like a girl, for talking like a sissy. Um, and Did you the, try
1: to change the way you talk? Did you ever try to... Um,
2: well, I didn't, I didn't. Duck
1: the bullying, as it were. Because well,
2: the, th- the thing is, I've, I've, I've literally always had a very feminine uh, way of expressing myself and talking. Um, and I remember... <laughs> I remember going to my friend's house. I must have been, like, 12 or something. I remember going to my friend's house and I got a shaved head. <laughs> um, like... Um, and um, my friend came down, my friend Rachel, and she said, my mum's just said, there's a girl with no hair at the door for you. Because I always like, hi, you're, you know, and I always had this kind of sing-song voice. And people said, why do you talk like a girl? Why do you? And I said, I don't talk like a girl. I'm a boy, and this is how I talk. I you know, talk so I, I, I talk like me. Um, th- this is just how I talk. And uh, it, it, it's... I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. No, that's what what all right. were we saying?
1: Just talking about the scale of the bullying. And oh, the, the scale of the bullying. Talking that was... about the pockets of happiness uh, at school.
2: Oh right. So how was it? So So did I try and conform? Yeah. So yeah, I did. I mean, I got I, I was bullied relentlessly. And I think that my friend Matt Kane, the author and uh, editor of Attitude magazine, puts it so well because I interviewed him a few years ago when, when his book was out, and he said, you know, it's bullying is thrown around quite a lot these days, and you know, bullying is a really bad problem. But mm-hmm. you know, it's like anyone who's got called fat wants, and obviously that's not very nice but it's like it I don't really feel that that really covers the kind of universal rejection that I faced it was you know people didn't want to sit next to me people didn't want to eat dinner with me people didn't want to walk home with me I wasn't invited to parties didn't go on school trips it's constant yeah I mean you are literally a pariah you know you are um you are completely dismissed and Uh, we know that that is one of the most painful things that you can do to a human being is, you know, even monkeys, primates that are shunned by the tribe start to display signs of poor mental health. We want to be included. We need to live in community with people. We want to be liked. We want to be accepted. And for a child to grow up like that, you know, we know that LGBT people go on and have uh, high rates of addiction, mental health issues, it, it can cause lifelong effects. And I, I felt excluded. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I was inferior. I felt like I was dirty, that I was wrong, that I was perverse.
1: Could you have articulated it like that then? Is that, is it? Could you, would no, you?
2: obviously not, you know. But um, I, I knew that people didn't like me, basically, because of who I was, that I was wrong and you know I didn't I didn't feel safe I never felt safe at school never felt safe um and then when I came home I didn't feel safe because I'd often get a clip around the ear hole for talking like a pufter.
1: right you know and, and you'd be told that was why you were getting a clip around the ear
2: hole. yeah yeah so
1: what would your mum do in those circumstances
2: well my mum and dad didn't live together right. um, my mum and dad split up when I was quite young um, and you know my mum was quite accepting but again she was horrified when I, when I came home and I'd, I'd, I'd been wearing girls clothes so it was
1: just when was the first time you, you wore top to toe I don't know, really. No, it wasn't like know, some made... amazing Damascene moment where you just went, "Oh my god!" I was god, always I was... dressing up as a girl. You like... just, just did in the same way. Yeah,
2: you're... I loved Paul. Halloween because I could be a witch. You know, mm. it was just like I'd always and and my auntie and stuff would say, "Oh, leave him; he's just playing. It's fine. The kids—they're exploring." So no one was pushing me into being a girl. No. Um, they just kind of let me get on with it. But I mean, when I was at my dad's, it was very much a case of you're not at your mother's now. You know, um, and didn't I know it, yeah. right? But um, I, d- I don't know really. It was just, um, it was, it was. Yeah, it was just. I, I think. Did that- you hate
1: yourself when, when when everybody hates you? Do you start not liking yourself much? Because that, that that at this point in your life, that doesn't seem to be part of who you are I, th- I think a
2: lot of lgbt po- lgbt people grow up with self-loathing yeah and i think that you know to com- compare this to somebody from uh an ethnic minority for instance because I, I come from a mixed race family so you know uh my, my brother have uh, walked through the world as, as as a mixed race young man you know but he has people in our family that have you know prepared him mm. for what the experience of racism may be like yeah. you know and i'm not saying that every single uh person of color has that experience no, you know because it is possible to experience racism within your own family yes, of course. um but yes. if you if if you you know you're you come from a, a family of chinese descent or so you know th- there might be an, another person in your family that can help prepare you for that Very often as an LGBT person, you may be the only LGBT person. And if you're trans, you almost certainly are the only trans person in your family. And rather than your family being a source of support, your family may be your biggest source of hostility. Yeah. So you're kind of getting it from all corners. And of course, you may be a person of colour and you're trans, you know. So so this is this is what we're talking about when we're talking about intersectional kind of feminism and, and, and realizing that actually it's really complicated. People aren't just Black or trans or gay, you know, they might have a lot of things going on. You know, my, my friend Steffi, I've, I've seen her called the N-word in the street. I've seen her called a bloke, you know. So her experience of being a trans woman is really different from mine. Yes. Um, and, you know, being a working class person, my experience is, is is different. So this stuff's really complicated, but I didn't have the language to articulate it when right. I was a child. And, and that's... Which makes it harder. Which makes it harder. But I think that you know Matthew Todd my my friend uh, had his great book out called Straight Jackets How to Be Gay and Happy talking about uh, you know the the, the fact that LGBT people are more likely to suffer from mental health issues and he talks about this growing up with this kind of toxic shame because when a kid when a kid does something wrong right you know you you put your hand in the fire you parents up, no don't do that and then you you take your hand away from the fire and it's okay because your parents still love you you know because it's the behaviour that's wrong but if you are getting shouted at and told off because of the way that you hold your hand just just the way that you sit the way that you've got your hand and someone's telling you that's wrong why have you got your leg on your knee like that then you start to think I'm the problem you you can stop putting your hand in a fire but you can't stop being yourself so you do start to internalise I am wrong there is something wrong with me I am fundamentally flawed and this can start at a really young age so it could be you know do you do something quite flamboyantly and there's a raised eyebrow or there's an uncle that gets, For you know we saw uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton at Christmas mm. uh, did, mm. did an Instagram story his nephew, yeah. showing his uh, nephew wearing a princess dress really happy yeah. you know just having a bit of fun and saying you know basically shaming him making him feel ashamed now I thought it was a really horrible thing to do. And I recognise it because it's happened to me before. At a very young age, you are made to feel ashamed of who you are. And shame can have a really useful function if it stops people from doing bad things and hurting other people. It's, it's, it's a way of stopping us from hurting ourselves. But if you're literally just shamed for who you are, that's toxic shame. And, and
1: you've it's... got no no frame of reference either. All you've got is pain and confusion. You're just alone, confused and shamed
2: well I I thought I was the only person in the world that was like me and if you speak to a lot of I mean I I, I do think that I'm the only person in the world that's like me but you know you speak to trans people and they'll tell you the same thing and it's just the isolation and and there were no points of reference there was nobody that you could point at and, and look at on the television and say you know that they're like me and I think that's what was so great when Nadia came along um
1: On Big Brother.
2: On Big Brother, and I was a teenager and uh, addicted to Big Brother. And it was just like, uh, she's, so she's, 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 They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound
1: for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: It's one of those transsexuals and it's like, but she's not always talking. She's just a person and she's there and she's laughing and she's joking. And it's like, she, um, like, I thought I could do that. I could, if I I could, you know, it's not impossible. Actually, I could change and I could, I could still go to college and I could, I could go to the supermarket and I could meet my friends and it would actually be okay, you know, and I'd never seen that before. Literally had never seen... The only time I'd ever seen a trans person was really late night television, sitting in a hospital bed, hushed tones, kind of like, so, so you're going to cut your thing, you know? And I I just thought it was... I I couldn't even imagine those people. I used to think, God, how did they even like... Because I thought... How did they even go and buy a pint of milk from the corner shop? Because it, it just—it was almost like it was illegal, yes, of course. You know, to, to be trans, like that was the level of shame. You know, it was almost like they were a, 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 a paedophile or a, or a Nazi on the run yeah, or something. Yeah, like yeah. it just, like it, like it wasn't okay to be trans in, in
1: any way, way shape, or form.
2: And and what a turnaround, you know, to have where you we met are Nadia? now. Since yes, I so have told
1: her what, what an impact. Yeah, she totally. Had. Yeah, oh, yeah, she must have done that. too. I wouldn't have realised at the time because I was living in my own little bubble. But that must have been quite a profound experience for a lot of trans people it was or or, or future trans people is
2: that I I I think at the
1: time you would have been identifying as a gay teenage boy yes yeah what was that like
2: um well I mean it was it was it was it was fun for a bit um it was uh and I just thought you know because I was told you're a boy you've got to be a boy and then so obviously when the sexual feelings kick in and you think right okay I'm a boy and I like boys, right? Okay, so that means I'm gay. Mm. Okay, right, fine. So let's go on the gay scene and have fun. Um, but I, I never really felt like a gay boy, and I always used to wear makeup. Um, and at that point, obviously, I just thought it was impossible to be a girl. So I just thought, well, I, I ha- I'm just one of those boys that likes dressing up, like Courtney Act. Mm. You know, I just thought, you know, well, some boys wear makeup. That's okay, I'll be one. So I just put makeup on, and uh, and go out, and people would always think that I was a girl, right? So I'm like, because I was, I was always quite tall, and um, I used to go out when I was like 14, 15, and I used to sneak into clubs and get away with it, and. Um, you know wore makeup but obviously looked very feminine because I was so young Yes. and people thought I was a girl uh, or people couldn't tell and people would say are you like, you know, and I, I got a kick out of that, you know, looking yes. really androgynous. And people would say, you look very, like, glam rock David Bowie, which if, I was like, who the hell is David Bowie, <laughs> you know? Um, and people say, you know, you look quite subversive. And I look very kind of like cyberpunk, gothy, kind of like, uh, yeah, just very, uh, you know, alternative, really.
1: Well, what sort um, of year would this have been? Well, where are we now?
2: So, like, I know, like 2002. Okay. Uh, like 2004.
1: Because so, th- because the club scene is a very, very forgiving and well, it can be a very forgiving and welcoming place. People perhaps who haven't immersed themselves fully in club culture yeah, don't well, realise uh, that you can really discover yourself in that. In that, sometimes.
2: Absolutely, and you know, for me, coming from an ex, ex-mining town that didn't have any culture mm. whatsoever. I mean, um, I, I live a like a, a walk. You know, it's a good hour, hour, hour and a half walk away from uh, Lord Byron's ancestral home, mm. and uh, I'm completely obsessed with Byron and that was that was my only kind of little bit of culture where right. I okay I, I think it's fair to say there wasn't a lot of culture where I grew up and not a lot happened there wasn't no. a lot of aspirations you know I thought the best that I could hope for life was maybe one day buy my own council house you know we were not brought up to think that we could have anything from life so for me to sneak into a nightclub at the age of 14 and, and cover my face in glitter and uh Take ecstasy and and dance with beautiful people on a stage and listen to dance music, that was a revelatory experience. It was a transformative experience. Yeah. It's
1: funny. I come from the opposite end of the social scale. It was very certain ten years previously, being at an all boys monastic public school in the middle right. of North Yorkshire. Right. Discovering 1988 in Manchester. I spent the summer there as an in a youth theatre. It was. It was. And I hadn't dealt with what you'd dealt with, or felt as alienated as you felt. But it was—it was not dissimilar. That sudden yeah. sense of oh my Christ, the world is a million times bigger than I realised.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. There,
1: and there are people in it who I'm going to get on really, really well with, who I didn't know existed last week.
2: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like I'd gone from like just being this pariah at school yeah. to like I'm dancing on a stage, and everybody's like, "Oh, you're, you've got a cool look. You're interesting. Yeah. You're, you're 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 beautiful. you we. Where are you from? What are you? Yeah. and and it was highly validating, you know, and I met some really cool, interesting people. And I thought, these people accept me and actually think I'm I'm nice and, and cool and, and fun to be around. And and we had a laugh. And I, you know, but my me and my friend Steffi, I, I you know, we were wild. We used to we used to we and we were quite young. We were like 15, 16, and we used to skank the train to Birmingham or Manchester or, or Leicester or wherever. And we we just went out looking like prostitutes, frankly. Um, And we'd spend all our money on drugs. And then we would have no way to get home. No, I mean, honestly, the stories that I could tell, we got on train, we got kicked off in Melton Mowbray once um, because we tried to skank the train back and they, they kicked us off the train. And um, we just went and sat on a park and drank some cider. And then we befriended some people and they eventually got a, a lift back. And we just had so
1: much fun. Vulnerable, though. You're putting yourselves but in vulnerable we situations.
2: Were, we were vulnerable. Yeah, we didn't have boundaries, you know. And I, and it's it's fun until it's not fun. Yes, right? of course. And I got in with quite a bad crowd. Um, I, As you know, I went to prison. Mm. I, I got involved with a robbery when I was 16 and uh you know i i i i was a kid that you know just i was reckless i was i was easily led i was easily influenced i was dating a guy who was a bit older than me and uh he said you know why don't we go and rob someone i was having sex for money i was having, already i was having sex for money when i was 14 15 yeah so um and and th- but you've just you've just
1: presented me two completely different people there there's you and steffi on the train giggling and at the same time you're i mean having sex for money is at that age it's not a free choice in the sense that perhaps it is when you're older i mean at that age it's a much more Mm. serious legally mm. and not perhaps the behavior of someone who's happy so there's two parises there and of course you will not yeah. even call paris then there's two people
2: well i, I was actually i oh, were
1: you already I, yeah I was, yeah
2: paris from quite a young age actually but um uh yeah i mean and you
1: almost your face changed as well you're remembering one story and then you suddenly remembered oh this was also the period in my life where i was having such much money with grown men despite not being a grown man myself and and i got and i ended up in prison
2: well this stuff is really complicated of course and and it's it's interesting because at the time I felt like I was making a choice yes and actually I absolutely 100% support the right of adults to uh you know work as sex workers if that's a choice that they're making and um I think that there are many people who you know uh, one of the arguments against it is that, you know, these people come from damaged backgrounds. And in my case, that does happen to be true. But yes. actually, the, there are a lot of people that choose to do sex work for whatever reason, and I think that it should be safe and legal for them to do so if that's yes. a choice that they want to make. But... You know, clearly, but not, when, not, not
1: when you're 14.
2: Clearly, clearly at that age, you know, I, I might have thought I knew what I was doing, but I was an idiot, you know. And okay. well, you know, if I'm being kind to myself, I was I was a vulnerable kid and I can look back on it. And it was a lot of fun, James. I'm not yeah, gonna no, lie, I you know, you. I'd 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 meet guys and you know, those guys were pretty questionable, and I'd get in a car with them and I'd go off and they'd take me and I felt like an adult, I felt like I got power for the first time in my life because I'd got something that they wanted, and I was playing an adult game. But and, you know, I'm
1: hearing echoes here of some of the kids that were groomed in the north of England when you say that.
2: Well, well, yeah, but 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 this this is it. You know that there are men, sadly, in our society. That will take advantage of kids who are vulnerable for whatever reason. Mm. Kids who, uh, you know, may not feel close to their families that are, you know, I've I felt I I've, you know, I felt validated. I felt like these men want me. I have value to these people. Yes. A monetary value. It's it's such a it's such a complex one because I've
1: never thought of it like that when I, you use the word value in the context of much, much more than money, but in the absence of or the other ways of feeling valued, money is actually a currency in the most
2: well, yeah, simple I know, sense so
1: of the word, a currency of value.
2: Somebody, you know, a guy coming up to me, an adult, yes. saying, you're cute, you're nice. And me thinking, me? Yeah. You know, who everybody at school says, Eight. oh, you puffed her. Yeah. We'd never go out with you. We don't yeah. want to, you know it was validating it was and it was exciting it it, it was exciting and it was abusive in the sense that i could you know of course it was wrong and and it was abusive from the sense that those men were wrong and they should have known better but it wasn't abusive in the sense that it was traumatic or horrible you know um the the more trauma that i've experienced in my life has has been you know when i transitioned and i had people abusing me in the street and stuff but
1: and that 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 that, in in your Memory is 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 a much more traumatic experience than anything that happened.
2: I ended up in prison. I was doing well, sex work. Tell me work. about the
1: first night in prison. What was that? Because presumably this was utterly
2: that that first night in prison. I mean, my my dad had made me watch the film Scum
1: oh, when
2: I was. Growing up, right. I think maybe it's a warning of some I thought, sort. I thought, of I thought kind. you were
1: about to say the night before I arrived. It is.
2: Uh, no, but I mean, but it
1: you, is uh, for people who haven't seen it. It's an incredibly unrelenting and brutal account of of, of, of life in, in in sort of twenty years previous to where we are now in your life.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it's a film that stays with you
1: right? for sure. I'm the daddy now. Uh,
2: it's uh, and and it's and it's 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 a really iconic film. You know, I you know had an idea of you know this is going to be bad, yeah. and I just couldn't stop crying. I they they had to put me in the hospital wing for the first three nights, and I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and sobbed. It literally felt like the end of the world. I just thought... I cannot cope with this. How the hell am I going to cope with this? You know, oh, it was awful. It was just It was it was horrendous. And then they put me on the vulnerable uh, prisoners unit because you know uh, I think they were quite concerned about me. Um, and in many ways, there weren't quite as many rough lads on that wing, but they, you know, it was prison, right? Yeah, of you course. know, um, so there was. Uh, the, the, you know there were a few, few rough lads on there, but um, you know there was a lot of suicide attempts and stuff. And uh, you know, and you're people, still
1: a kid. Really.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it was. Yeah, it was it was weird, and I really tried my best to kind of conform. I couldn't even do it for you now, no. um, but I, tr- I I had like a kind of like what I thought was like my my lad's voice, but it was just like, I think it, I must just say it must have been like the Eli- Eliza Doolittle trying to sound posh. You know, it's like, I mean, can can you can you imagine me trying to sound like a boy? Not thing? at this point. It just it, 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 it I don't know what I sounded like, but in the end, I think I think I kind of loosened up a little bit because I got on with all the screws. Um, the, the prison staff um, and I, I ended up being uh, doing the laundry. Um, obviously, woman's work. Um, <laughs> I'll get torn apart for that. It's, it's not woman's work. I'm I am joking. Um, so I, I I I collected the laundry and everything, kept the laundry room clean, and I took people's orders for food and everything. So I actually had a little bit of power because yeah. if I accidentally put your order down wrong, you you didn't get what you wanted at dinner time. So, and there was only so much of everything to go around. So people would say, "Well, put me down for this. Put me." So you had a little bit, of... and I think that when people realised that I wasn't a threat, they liked me, yeah. and and I became their strange fruit. Yes. You know, I was yes. a strange fruit, but yes. I was I was there, and it was kind of like you know, uh, lazy. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah, leave lazy alone. You know? <laughs> and and can I say something to you? Of course. Like, th- this is this is the maddest thing ever, but I have experienced more abuse by many measures by. Other transgender people or women purporting to be feminists than I have... Heterosexual
1: men in prison.
2: In, in prison, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I've, I, I, was treated better in prison by a bunch of you know young hoodlums yes. than I have by some of these disgusting people on the internet that just tweet abuse at me every single day relentlessly. Yes. And it's it's just it's just the most insane thing in the world to me. And I do think that it's you know if, if you spend time with somebody and you realise that they're not a threat to you, I mean, what's not to like, you know? And it's like I made friends. In there and, and people said, Well, you've changed my views about stuff. And um it's it's really weird to me because this world is so complicated and things are not always as we might think that they would be. And you think you're gonna go and you're gonna have a terrible time. Um, in a in a, in a weird way, I felt safe
1: yeah, in prison. That's what I'm picking up. That there's something about I, I was expecting this to go in a completely different direction. No, I, 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 I
2: don't I don't actually regret going. There, there was something about that because in an institution like that it feels bigger than you. So you feel held, you feel contained. And I remember the way that the the, the radiators used to rattle at night and there's something there's something about like being in a school mm. you know or or the NHS, and NHS yeah, the the, an NHS hospital
1: yeah
2: an institution there's something about it being the smell of the floor polish the, 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 smell, the, of the, yeah. the smell of the smell of the floor polish and and, and the kind of the, the rust on the bolts on the door and, yes. and there's just something very kind of earthy and this sense of you're all in there and you're contained and, and somebody else is is responsible for your well-being so yes. it's, you've almost sort of ceded control to something bigger than yourself and, and in many ways there's something quite comforting about that because this world is really complicated sure. and uh, you know it, it's really anxiety inducing we don't know what to do and we don't know what you know and I think as a society we're experiencing this but when you're in prison you knew what your problem was your problem was that you were in prison and yes. it was very simple you knew what the solution was the solution was your release date time
1: getting out. you
2: know yeah so, yeah and it, it takes
1: was, away a lot of the extraneous.
2: It takes away a lot of Fear. that noise, noise in your head. Yeah, and I get
1: that actually, and, and and it's the same as what you mentioned when you talk about the, the rust on the locks and the. Uh, it's, it was like that before you arrived. It will be like that after you leave. So there's yeah. a weird stability.
2: Yes, yeah, attached which you hadn't
1: which yeah. you hadn't had before in your life.
2: Yeah, isn't that strange?
1: It is very strange, it's- and yet hearing you explain it, it, it makes perfect sense. And and speaking of decisions, it was shortly after getting out of prison that you decided you would. To move to university, and you were going to start living as a girl.
2: Yeah, so it was in it was in prison really that I realised because I'd always thought you know I'm just I'm just somebody who, I'll just dress up at the weekends yeah. and that's fine you know, and actually it was having my female identity suppressed so wholly in prison that I was just like I am so unhappy not being able to express mm. that side of my identity. It, it, it is profound. You know, it's, it's, I, I have to, I, I'm going Again,
1: to... because all the other noise had gone, you're yeah. addressing this yeah. fundamental part of you. Yeah. Uninterrupted, un... un... Yeah.
2: This is me stripped bare. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what I look like or anything, but there's a part of me that wants to shave my armpits. Yeah. And I, and I did. And I know that, you know, shaving your armpits doesn't make you a woman. And there are women who don't shave their armpits. I'm not saying that women have to do that, but... I wanted to look or feel or, or or be more feminine. I wanted to express something that said that I was feminine and mm-hmm. made made me feel feminine. You know, in the way that women in our culture do. Yes, yes, yes. You know. Yes, yes. Um, Or you know, a lot of a lot of women do. And I couldn't explain that. I I, I couldn't explain that. I couldn't explain why having hair on my legs made me feel uncomfortable
1: but you realized in prison i realized in prison you couldn't live part-time anymore
2: because i couldn't see anybody so it's like what did it matter but i used to i used to i I used
1: to
0: my eyebrows
2: at night i used to pluck them and i used to steal chalk from paint art therapy uh steal chalk from from art classes and i'd i'd crush the chalk up and i'd put makeup on, on my on my face because there was this desperate need to express myself. Being a woman isn't about wearing makeup. That's not what I'm saying. You no, know. I
1: understand. Of,
2: you know, if I'm not doing something like this, I often go out of the house with no makeup yeah, on. Yeah. And I find that very liberating, yes. actually. And I feel very lucky as a trans woman to be able to do that and touch wood, you know, get away with it. But but it's not, it was about, I needed to see myself as a woman. Yes. And I, I can't explain it in any other way. And, and that's when I knew, I've got to do this, you know. And then I came out and... and you see, when I was in prison, you kind of feel like you've got the, the weight of... You know, if we kind of picture society as a kind of, um, like a pyramid, like the queen at the top. Yes. You know? That's how I pictured it as a as a teenager. And you've got prison at the bottom. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I just thought, like, no matter what, what you do or say or rationalise it, unless you've been falsely convicted of something... If you're in prison, it's because you fucked up, right?
1: General rule. Yeah. You know,
2: you've you've made some pretty poor choices, you know. (laughs) And I think if you kind of have to take a long, hard look at yourself, don't you, and say, babe, you're in prison, you know? (laughs) There's no spin here. (laughs) You you need to. Something's got to change, you know? Like, this this is not working.
1: Did you know you were clever when you were young? I just. I was because you're speaking now about emotional literacy. There's clearly a, 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 a very strong intellectual literacy. It there wasn't as well. so much
2: that I was covered. Just I, I, I was, I was very much aware. of... I, I felt that the people around me weren't.
1: You know. Oh, of course. Like, yes. Um, no. So it's, it's relative I, to what your experience.
2: I, I don't, I don't mean, I don't mean that in it, in and in it. You know, it's not no, about I know me being better than anybody. But I just. There just wasn't a lot of you know the, we we it, I can't, I'm, it's it was there just wasn't a lot of coaching you know, people people that I know didn't read books or go to oh, Oxford okay. and Cambridge and things like that we don't we don't go but but, to- the,
1: but clearly a lot of people in prison don't have that dialogue that you have and that 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 that's an intellectual as well as an emotional thing to say babe look can't carry on like this you can't get back onto that particular bus
2: well people always people always told me that i was i was clever Mm. Um, my family always told me that i was clever and i i did well at school probably not as well as i could have done sure Um,
1: distractions
2: but i did i i i I think when i was in there there was i had a vision of who i wanted to be and just stupid little things like um i wanted to not smoke yeah. You know, and I wanted to get my A levels done, and I wanted to do this, and I wanted to do that. And it sounds really, really stupid now, but back then it almost felt insurmountable. I just thought, yeah. I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. I did, it, it you know, I just, th- I've, I've gone so far off the tracks, yes. I've so fallen down on the wrong side of things, and yes. I don't know if I can pick myself back up How again. Did you pull it off? Maybe I'm just going to be a ne'er-do-well, you know, because a lot of people do end up like that in my yes, hometown. And, yeah, and that's early. it. It
1: and starts it, very early.
2: Then that's your life. Yeah. You yeah, just a yeah, yeah. good for nothing, mm. you know. And it's, it's sad. But I thought, you know... I, I've got the brains to go to college and I as soon as I came out I enrolled at college they let me out early on a curfew on a tag Okay. Um, so I've been on tag uh, and they let me out just before be- it was cool just before it was well <laughs> I, I was instrumental in making it cool um, <laughs> they, they let me out so I could go to college I, I went to college um I got my curfew extended and I went to work in a call centre doing telesales, which obviously suited me down to the ground because yeah. I've got the gift of the gab. Um,
1: and you can be whoever you want to be.
2: And you can be whoever you want to be. Well, they, people often did think I was a, a girl on the phone. Yeah. Um, which is. Obviously... I did telesales
1: with someone who called herself Raquel Walsh. <laughs> and, it, and it worked. <laughs> she used okay. to make more commissions than the rest of us.
2: Well, I, I, I made a lot of commission, I have to say, and I applied myself at college and I got my life back on track.
1: But you were now living as a woman.
2: No, did, I wasn't. Right. I was a okay. very androgynous this boy. This
1: is still doing your A-levels. This now.
2: is still doing A-levels. And I used to go to college and people would say, Chichi man, batty man.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, that's, I'd, 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 I'd get abuse. And I just thought, I can't, I can't do this here. And, I, and it was really frustrating because at that stage, I knew that I, I really wanted to be. So I had about a year... Well, I have completed my, sure. my a levels of like knowing and being really jealous of all the girls at college you know and I remember my friend saying you know you just look like a really tall girl and thinking oh this is great you yeah, know so it was very sort of like gender non-conforming yes, shall we okay. say um, I' have to fish out a photo of that one time uh, <laughs> shocking really uh, but um, but I knew that I wanted but I just it just didn't feel safe wrong, for me. wrong
1: time wrong place wrong. right on got your a levels got into Brighton
2: well I, I was waiting for my A level results, and my grandma died. Mm. And I absolutely because my mum had been very young when she had me. My mum was seventeen when she had me, and my grandma was seventeen when she had my mum. So my grandma pretty much brought me up. Um, you know, was was a, was was a mother figure to me, and she died just as I was waiting for my A level results. And it was when she died that I thought this is it, you know, life's too short. I've I've got to be myself, you know. So there was this huge period of change where my grandma died, I transitioned, I got rid of the last of my boys' clothes and I moved to a completely different city. You know, different people... um, I didn't feel safe enough to go and live in student halls because of the great shame. I didn't want people to know that I was trans, okay. and I still because had.
1: Because of things like showers and toilets. And
2: yeah, and I didn't want people to see me with no makeup on. You know, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have dreamed of taking the the rubbish bags out without a full face of makeup on. Yeah. At that point, I was okay. so insecure. I had facial hair. Um, uh, you know, it wasn't terrible, but it was no. enough that yeah. if I was at a house party you know i'd want to go home yeah yeah, well i wouldn't that's the thing i'd always go home before um and just just stupid things like you know i was really paranoid about my height or if i laugh or anything you know because no no you know there might be little things that people might pick up on and read that i'm trans and i just thought i need to be on my own and so therefore i was doing the sex work to fund that and actually i made myself quite isolated Um, but everybody
1: who sort of knew you but didn't know you thought you were a woman
2: yeah well I mean it's a funny one all of this because actually I I looked very feminine when I first transitioned but I would occasionally get abuse in the street sometimes so it was maybe I think I was passing as female 70 80 percent of the time okay um maybe 90 percent of the time sometimes but you know it, it 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 wasn't 100% of the time. And I would get people in the street and I could go months without it happening. But then people would say, you used to be a bloke. Or, you know, you you fucking tranny or something. You know, people just think that if they see a transgender person in the street, it's okay to abuse you in the same way that, you know, we say we live in this this supposedly liberal society now, but it's not okay for two men to walk down the street holding hands. Maybe in parts of London, I've Mm, seen it. But
1: not most streets. But but
2: not most streets. And for people who are visibly trans and who don't blend in, um, you know, in terms of having a conventional gender presentation... It's not safe to walk down the street.
1: No, clearly. I've
2: got friends who get abused every single time they leave their house. So how is that okay? You know, that that's not a... How is this a civilised society if, if people don't feel safe to walk down the street? And I know what it feels like to not feel safe walking down the street. So I'd had all shit for years. You know, people say, you're a pofter. When I lived with my grandma on the council mm. estate, I, I was scared on my cul-de-sac. That people, oh, you're gay, aren't you? You take it up the arse so then it that had shifted and then it became oh you're a man aren't you i bet you've got a cock." yeah, yeah. and i think that so many of the experiences of trans people do uh, there are parallels with the gay experience because Clearly. it's it's like for, for instance but that, does,
1: that should give you hope we're going to run out of time and i feel that we've got hours left okay but that should give you hope because the there's two things that occur to me first is that we've come on in leaps and bounds in how we talk about and treat gay people. So theoretically, trans people should follow. And the second thing that always occurs to me when you tell me about the people who do the abuse, and even, you know, some household names on social media say pretty vile things yeah. and, and refuse to let you be you. They, they, yeah. they tell you that, I don't just mean Jermaine Greer saying you don't get to be a woman just by chopping your dick off, which mm. is her turn of phrase, but I also mean people who just refuse to accept that there's anything other than a binary condition here and why would anybody choose to live as you have lived as long as people like that exist that's the thing that always always confuses me and it's the same with, with, with people who still insist that being gay is a lifestyle to so us as long as you get killed for it mm. as long as you get beaten up for it as long as you get attacked for it well, surely everyone can see nobody makes this choice lightly and and, and in an ideal world you, you'd be the person who didn't have this huge target painted on their
2: well, face yeah. I, I just for anybody to think i mean i mean yeah wouldn't it be great not to have had to have dealt with all of this stuff Precisely. yeah definitely but i think you're absolutely right to draw the comparison with with the way that gay people were treated because we had all of this in the 80s didn't we yeah with people saying you know we've got to protect children it's all yes. dressed up as concern for children Always is. wasn't it which obviously, children are
1: the least judgmental people on the planet. The
2: the least judgmental people on the planet. And, you know, and then it was, you know, people saying, well, we've got religious concerns, you know, and and now it's, you know, well, I've got to, it's, it's my feminist belief kind yeah. of thing and so it's sort of dressed up and it's 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 passed off as being respectable whereas actually I, I think that what it boils down to a lot of the time is just a very visceral prejudice I don't like this I feel a bit icky around it it's weird the
1: fear of the know. unknown
2: it's fear of the unknown and I, I think that we'll get over it and I think that the, the great thing is that you know y- you, you can't win an argument against the young right and <laughs> most of the people that we've come out of just saying this really kind of old fashioned bigoted stuff they're in their 70s and their 80s and you know I am going to go there James you yeah. know it's like Salman Rushdie came out and said something really stupid recently and he's like you know I think he's he's in his 70s um, uh, Professor Robert Winston says something ridiculous he's in his 70s, Jermaine Greer is in her, I think she's in her 80s now you know like um, Barry Like all these, it's just like every single week it's like prominent old person yes. comes up with that oh so important but, opinion but they're about they're telling you trans that they understand
1: people. your experience in a way that you don't that's the thing I find so, so staggering well,
2: they've, they've, they've had these really important uh, opinions about transgender people that they've been keeping secret for the past 60 years yes. and it's like oh right oh thank you for telling us now what it's like you weren't even aware that trans people existed as anything other than a joke up until about five minutes ago no. but now it's like now you've got now you now we've got to hear your, oh, oh, so your and sophisticated
1: actually yeah
2: it's just it's it's just like what are we is it it's and they're all really posh as well. So that and it's people who just think like like their opinions matter and they they don't know what they're talking about. They're talking
1: to a phone-in host, Paris. There is a, a posh phone-in host. The idea that our opinions don't matter could be very difficult for me to process.
2: Well, you know, um, everyone's entitled to their own opinion about trans people, but they're not entitled to their own facts, which is the most important thing. Bingo. And 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 you know, there's so much misinformation out there, but actually if you look at younger people, and this is what absolutely gives me hope, I I don't think and even just people in the sort of like 40s and 50s that I, I don't think they realize quite how out of step they are with no, younger people I think you're right. like I think in, you're right in the same way that you know anybody under the age of 35 now I mean yes. who, you know I'm sure there are homophobes out there still of course there are but sure. it's like the majority of people it doesn't matter if you're gay no Everybody
1: and this is partly what they were so family. frightened of by bringing it into schools and by refusing to yeah. Um, you know, bow to the calls for yeah. how dare you suggest that there's nothing wrong with being gay because yeah. some old people thought that somehow it would become contagious if you yeah. taught young children. Um, I've really enjoyed this, but we're going to have to do another one. We, we are going to have to do because okay. we haven't talked about it so much stuff. But, t- but I wanted to learn out more about you because I think for people who aren't. Um, well, just for people who are confused but decent, people who, who yeah. maybe have odd and views. There's a
2: lot of people like that because as well. I like you know. to think
1: almost everybody is, yeah. like, is yeah. like that. They need to. So. They need to meet you, not not here yet. I felt what what you think about a multiplicity of issues. I just wanted them to meet you, and they have. And oh, I'm really thank glad. You. Well, thanks for having me. No, thank you. <laughs> and uh, I'm joined now by Rich, the producer of Unfiltered, to discuss uh, the the latest. Interview that you've just heard with Paris Lee's. And that, I think we've said a few times, I could have carried on for hours, but that's the first time we really have tried to put a quart into a pint pot, isn't it? Yeah, that was difficult. <laughs> I mean, like, I was... Almost uh, every month of her life is fascinating and, yeah. and potentially kind of headline Well, we were saying this before,
2: but, like, we're going to have to do, like, a part two, aren't we? Yes, because, we really are. Because it was getting towards... like Paris had to shoot off and do something else yeah. after this and it's getting towards five minutes. It's like, man, we haven't even got to like the other half she's of her not,
1: life. She's not into adulthood yet. She's l- literally in the, in the final year of her teens. Yeah. But I think she's got a book coming out later this year, so we should yes. get her back in and find out the, the, the second half, actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of her life. But I didn't want to stop her or, or push her in a different direction because every single thing is it's, just, it's just a word that feels a little soft but it's educational isn't it it really people? is yeah um and you sort of think you
2: know about this kind of thing but then uh like you said in the interview like you unless you've lived that life you can't really no. fully understand what it's like um so hopefully we've given people a bit of a window into that
1: yeah um which 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 the first i mean there's no point in having a mind if you never change it and, and having a look at the world through somebody else's Eyes. Um, if that doesn't validate their existence, then then to be honest, nothing will. Absolutely. So when can we do part two? Oh, well, let's wait and see how busy she is. <laughs> She'd be too busy now. <laughs> too busy for us.
0: <laughs> You're listening to Unfiltered with James O'Brien, brought to you by Joe.